0: Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Okay, well welcome. Tonight we have a a friend of mine, a fellow I don't know enough about, but hopefully after tonight I will. Casey, thanks for coming in, man. Yeah. Right on. Dude, take it away. Tell us about yourself.
1: Okay. Um I'm Casey. I'm an alcoholic. Nice. And alright. Oh, hey, drug buddy. addict as well. Extraordinaire. Hmm. Um, I don't know, I guess uh, it starts off uh I was born here in uh early nineties. And life was uh I seem to be going good at first, you know. Mm -hmm. I come from a good family, you know, um, loving, caring individuals. And, uh, you know, just over time, I just started seeing, uh, feeling like I was, like, disconnected. I wasn't really fitting in anywhere. Mm -hmm. Going through elementary school and go through these big school systems, through the public, Catholic schooling systems here. And Mm -hmm. I always felt like I never belonged or, you know, I could never make friends and so I always start acting out. Yeah. And I would always just do stuff, just you know, for the fun of it. And then it just started becoming uh, almost a cry for help. Mm. Like, hey, there's you know, there's something that's not there that should be there, but you know. And mm. I'm 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 super young, and I'm just like, what is this? And then I ended up moving out to BC when I was 13, and uh, a smaller school system. So I was out in Chase and there was like 250 students in my whole school. So it's like mm-hmm. everybody knew everybody. And my auntie okay. out in BC learned or she found out that I had a had a knack for more music and wanting to learn how to play guitar. Mm. My cousin would come home every weekend and I would play his guitar. And my auntie was like, you know what, let's get this guy a guitar. So one day she tells me, hey, go clean your room. And I'm just all like, but my room's clean. She's like, go clean your room. And I was like, it's already clean. So I go downstairs and there's a guitar right there. <laughs> and then I almost broke her back because I, I give bear hugs. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so after that, I was on that thing 24-7. Mm. I was learning all these different songs, licks, tricks, techniques, and everything. Mm. And I play for hours and hours and hours. And being on a reserve, it's either utilize your time or waste mm. your time. Yeah. So I finally found an outlet that, that centered me and grounded me. So I would play and play. And then I started playing in these, uh, Aboriginal, uh, youth conferences, mm-hmm. like gathering our voices yeah, yeah. Out in BC. So there's these organization where we take all of these Aboriginal uh, students from different schools around BC okay. and we bring them all together in uh, one city for a huge, kind of like a festival, like cool. a ceremony. Yeah and there would always be um, these so- uh, showcases and I would always play my guitar in these showcases and I was starting to get like recognized. And I went to a uh, summer school of music out in Kamloops and it was just, it was, it was, it was the coolest experience, mm-hmm. you know, learning how to play music. But through that, I started learning, or not learning, but I started doing drugs and I started mm-hmm. drinking when I was 15. And uh, that, that was kind of the start of it. There's different kind of learning, man. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It was weird because when I was going through high school, I was a burnout. But when I started smoking weed, my mm. grades shot up. Mm. Like I started getting A's and B's. I would just like I would get high and then go to class and then I would just focus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was weird. Like it was cool. I thought it was cool at the time because yep. I'm like I'm getting A's and B's coming from like D's and F's. Yeah. And then uh, I just kept going and going. Next thing I know, I graduate school. Got my grade twelve. And I started doing uh, harder drugs, party drugs and going to like uh, uh, house raves and stuff like that, parties and mm-hmm. whatnot. still playing my guitar, but I was starting to get more disconnected from the music. Yeah. And it started becoming more of the party scene. So over time I started doing more and more drugs. I kept trying to trying to find work couldn't find work. tried going back to school I failed at that and uh, you know, for the longest time, I was just like, okay, what am I doing with my life? You know, I started mm-hmm. started uh, feeling like I, I was starting to get this de- dependency on alcohol and drugs yeah. that I needed it in order to function. And this is when I was 20, 22.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was just constantly back and forth from uh, here in Calgary to BC. It was just uh, that geographical change. Okay constantly every couple months, every year back and forth and back and forth. Mm -hmm. I never really had true stability in life. And then, um, now I'm going to backtrack a little bit when I was 13, I think this is, this is the biggest, um, I would say higher power moment I've ever had in my life. I was 13. I just moved out to my auntie's place in BC. I came here for a visit and my mom wanted to, to drive me back. So just before we drove back, my mom was like, okay, let's go. So I told her, I said, I want to go see my dad. My mom and dad split when I was six months old Mm. and I was 13. I was like, I want to go see my father. And she's like, that's weird, but okay. Mm -hmm. So we go over there. I go see my father and I told my mom, I want him to come with us. And she was like, that's out of the question. And I'm like, no, I want him to come with us. Mm. So after some strong, strong words, uh, my mom agreed. And then all of us went out to BC. Next thing I know, ten days later, they phone me up and they're like, "We're getting married." Mm. And I was like, "That's the coolest thing ever." That's pretty cool. You know, to get your biolo- help get your biological parents back together yeah. after like twelve and a half years of se- separation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think like, that was the coolest thing, man. Oh no. I wrote. I wrote on a certain a certain high, if you will, over time, just just on that one moment, mm-hmm. and then got to learn who my father was. Uh, our family showed him how to love again, because mm-hmm. he was—he lived on the reserve and he was very, uh, let's you say, uh, strong-skinned, mm. thick-skinned. Yeah, he never really showed compassion or care. First time I hugged him, it actually shocked him. Yeah, and he, he was like, "What's this? What's this?" Wow. And I was like, "Dude, it's a whole new world, man." That's wild, man. I know, right? Yeah. So. So uh, at, over time, going back and forth and going through life, I was. I kept doing more and more drugs and I kept I kept always trying to find myself mm. through the drug use. I always tried to uh, tried to get closer to this to this higher power, God, if you will. Yeah. And I was I always felt like okay, if I take another hit, I get I'll get I'll get there, the ascension and all this mm. and that. And it was looking back on that, I'm just all like what an order. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> well so, said <laughs> so finally in um, 2021 20, I moved back here um, my father got really sick we did, we had no idea what was going on because I, ne- I never knew about alcoholism, I never knew about drug addiction mm-hmm. or um, you know stuff like that and my father was uh, suffering a severe case of alcoholism mm-hmm. and a uh, bone cancer so he kept Showing these symptoms and signs that he's very sick, but we just didn't, we didn't know. By the time we get him into the hospital, it was a little kind of too late.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was uh, that was the uh, the first major passing in my family that affected me. Yeah, and that was uh, that was really hard. I, I I went into a downward spiral after that for a couple of years actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do anything to numb the pain, you know. We used to have a, a doctor feel good. You yeah. just give him a list of medications and he gives them to you. Mm-hmm. And so I, w- I was always stacked with medication. So that's what I would take. Like I would take handfuls and handfuls of pills because I didn't want to feel my feelings anymore. Yeah. So I'm like, I got this father figure who I've been searching for my whole life, who's, uh, who finally comes back in my life and he's in my life for such a short time. And now he's gone. Mm. So I'm like, that hurts. No doubt, man. So it's a big deal. My whole family, like that, that affected my whole family because mm. everybody, everybody loved my father, and vice versa. Yeah. And so, my mom started drinking heavily. Um, family members, all, all went into into like a great depression, mm. and I myself, I, I didn't know how to cope, so I uh, I hightailed it back to BC. I just, for me, it was. My coping mechanism was I had to get away from family. As selfish as that sounds, I I needed to get away. Mm. And I feel that was better for me to do that because I I had time to reflect, to cope, to to kind of work through these feelings. And then um, over that time, I started looking for work, actually started trying to ground myself again. And I just, uh, something was preventing me from it. Looking back now, that was me. I mm-hmm. was preventing myself. So I started doing like a lot of cocaine and ecstasy and all these other drugs and stuff. And I was just trying to still numb my feelings because I truly never got to the root of the cause of the pain yeah. that was me. So I always acted out. I was always like, always the happy-go-lucky guy who was always happy. And I was all like, yeah, let's party. Mm-hmm. You know, but just hiding a mask. I was hiding behind a mask. You know, I didn't want people knowing my true, my true pain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, moving forward i I finally came back to Calgary with a huge drug addiction, living with my mom again you know i I had these tendencies these these i would I like to call them alcoholic tendencies of um manipulation lying, cheating, stealing, you know all that stuff I yeah. looked at at such an early age mm-hmm. when I was five, maybe six years old, yeah. And that was my saving grace, like I, I utilized those things. I thought those made me stronger. And so over time, like I would, I, would, I, was, I was branded a thief, I was branded a liar mm-hmm. and a stealer and a cheater. And I, I would always try to manipulate family against each other. And I'm always like, okay, I love my family, but why am I doing this to them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And I could, never, I could never find out why I was doing these things. So over time, I'm finally getting over the the passing of my father, it was I think it was like 23. I finally finally s- settled down. I, like I'm stuck in one place now. Like mm-hmm. I'm here in Calgary, and I'm I'm trying to actually go to work, make a living, because I'm like I'm 23 years old.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I've I've tried to go back to school numerous times. Like. Four times I tried to go back to college Mm -hmm. and failed. Either a dropout, break an ankle, or, you know, addicted to some kind of pain medication or drug. And um, I just, it never felt like I could win. I could catch a break. Yeah. You know, I go to school, I get the student loan and whatnot, and then I drop out. And then, you know, I'm building all this debt.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, so the the full downfall of my life leading up to the moment before I got sober Mm -hmm. was when I uh, I moved back to Calgary I started going I went to school to become a security guard and I aced that it was the first thing since high school that I amounted myself to Mm -hmm. and uh, I passed flying colors got a job you know I worked really hard at this uh, subcontracted company Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and um, you know, I got employee of the month out of 600 employees. And it's like, I, when I want to, I have a good work, work ethic. Yeah. I work hard, I love what I do. I try to find joy in what I do nowadays, even back then. But working at this uh, one place, I, uh, I was introduced to a certain group of people who uh, did certain type of drugs. So I kind of fell into that lifestyle even more, going into like methamphetamines mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> you know just stuff like that. And life seemed to be manageable when I was like doing ecstasy, coke, crack, even even when I was addicted to gravel and other prescription yeah. drugs. Once it hit methamphetamine, that's when my life just really spiraled down.
0: Yeah,
1: like all my paychecks went to meth. Well,
0: can I ask you what was so different between beside, I've never done meth or cocaine or anything. So what's the, what was the difference that you noticed between meth and cocaine and crack? Like what that that caused that extra bit of
1: spiral? Oh, so I'm a stimulant person. When I was doing drugs, I loved, uh, I love the stimulants. Yeah. I love the, uh, I love the stuff that would get me high, keep me high for a long period of time and mm. just give me energy. And cocaine was like, cocaine was like, uh, I would say it was, um, at the time, it was the top of the list, but mm-hmm. then I started doing crack, and after I started doing crack, I was like, okay, I get really high, but it lasts for like 20 seconds, and then I'm jonesing for hours. Yeah, and that was horrible. Okay, but when once I got on meth, it was like it's like cocaine and crack, but like way up here. Okay, it's like a whole new level. Yeah, I like needed a little bit to get me high, and then I was high for hours. And it was just I I at the time I thought that was a godsend
0: yeah I I could see that yeah
1: so I always thought a little bit here a little bit there and then Mm -hmm. it turned into like so much more than that yeah so I ended up I'm stealing from family I would never steal from stores and stuff because I was always like oh I'll get a criminal record and then I'll go to jail and then you know I you know this but my mentality was I'm stealing from family and my mentality was, they're family; they'll forgive me. Mm-hmm. And no that was not the case. It's an
0: interesting twist in the mind,
1: eh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know. It's just crazy, man. Looking back on like all the times that, like, like my mom would keep phoning me and phoning me and phoning me, and I would reject her calls because all I wanted to do was get high.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was hanging around this gang-affiliated drug house with murderers and rapists, and all I wanted to do was get high. All I wanted to do was party. I was just living in my own little world of everything's fine and dandy until I run out of the stuff. Yeah. So I just got to a point where um, all these little things led up to this, to this spiral down. But the, the tipping point was I was on one was uh, this is when I was 25 so I turned 25 in October and then during the winter time this is when I really 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 started uh, getting into a a very 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 dark mind frame Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I ended up getting this thought that okay I'm high I'm out of drugs I'm out of money my mom goes to work I have keys to her place I have a ride what do I do? I broke and entered my mom's place. Mm. And like the sober Casey would never do that. Mm-hmm. Like I would never even think of that. Yeah. But you know, I, I did that. And when all the drugs were gone, when the money was gone after that, when I finally came to and realized what I did, mm. that was the worst thing of my life. Yeah. You know, the worst thing. The, the one lady who's always been there for me through thick and thin. What I did to her is unforgivable.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, the fact that she forgave me and she's still yeah. a part of my life is like, like I can't believe that. Something about it, eh? Yeah. So I ended up calling the cops on myself. And... um so I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Of course, man. So a couple of days before that, when I was all like deep into this uh, this bender, I got a, I, I'm got coming back from the mall and I'm, I'm dancing because I'm all like, I'm high and I'm, I'm in my own little world and I'm just dancing down the street and this mm-hmm. old, old guy's like, you're effing high, I'm calling the cops. And I turn around and I'm like, I love you too, sir. And then so I'm dancing down the street and I'm just like all in my own little uh, drug-addled mind and then the cops show up. And they're like, Sir, do you have ID? So I put my I put my wallet on the ground, I dance away from them, and they're like, Sir, what's this? And I was like, That's the straw I used to snort methamphetamine. Yeah. And the cops were like, I, I like how honest this guy is. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, I end up in the Peter Law heat, and I'm I'm detoxing mm. and I was a huge conspiracy theorist. I would I would I was that fed into that, that dark part of yeah. uh, what I was becoming because I was so you know, stuck in fear that, like, the end of the world, aliens, Nubu, all these crazy yeah. things that fed into my insanity. That these things, like, I, I was running from myself. I, I, I was using, using these things as an escape to run away from, from who I am. So I was losing sight of who I was. I was losing my family and all of these things. So once I get out from the detoxing at the hospital, what do I do? I go back to doing drugs. Mm-hmm. First thing I do, go back doing drugs, and then, and then all this happens with my mom. Yeah. And then fast-track a couple days later, I come to, and I realize, what did I do? Mm-hmm. So I call the cops on myself, and I meet them, and I'm like, you got it. I'm arguing with the cops to take me to jail. I'm like, mm-hmm. you got to take me to jail. I got to pay for what I did. And they're like, we got no charges on you, man. We can't do that. Yeah. And I'm like fighting with the cops to take me in. So they take me to Alpha House, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm like, I'm in this, I'm, I, I, like I'm done. Like yeah. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready for change. And yeah. mind you, I've never heard of treatment, never heard of uh, detox, nothing. So I go to the staff there, and I'm like, I need help. I need help. I want the help whatever help you got, I need it. Mm. And I don't know if they were like over like really busy, but they kept telling me come back in 15 minutes. So I kept doing that. Come back in 15 minutes. And I come back, come back in 15 minutes. So it, for a day and a half, it felt like I was getting nowhere there. Mm. So I called my buddy and he's like, he's like, your mom told me everything. I know what's going on. And I'm like, dude, I just need help. So he offered me to stay at his place. He got me to Renfrew that next morning. I spent seven days in Renfrew and uh, it was eye-opening because I never heard of these things and yeah. I never knew of all the help that was out there in the city alone
0: yeah.
1: so I'm looking at these brochures for treatment centers and I'm like okay so I'm, I'm like okay what's 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 the longest one because I knew for a fact I can't do a day program Yeah. I needed something so I'm looking through these brochures and then I'm looking at like Fresh Start and uh, the Dream Center in 1835 and Simon House. And mm-hmm. we, we had people come in from these, uh, from these facilities to come and share their story, what, it, what happened, what it's like, and what, you know, what it's yeah. like now. And the biggest one that impacted me was Simon House. There was this one person, this one individual that used to work there who came and shared, and the, the one word he told, told of was it built structure. Hmm. and that's the one thing I knew that I needed in my life was structure Yeah. so I kept calling Simon House every morning I got in on the intake list I kept calling kept calling and the next thing they interviewed me and then they they dropped me off in the front door of Simon House and all these guys come running up shaking my hand telling me "Oh, welcome home you're in a great yeah. place and I'm just like I'm scared I wasn't mm-hmm. ready for that and then I that's when that's when I really started, really started changing, like yeah. wanting to change. But the first time through, through treatment, the first time through recovery, it was mm-hmm. all discovery for me. Yeah. Like discovering the steps, the big book, twelve and twelve, the new way of life, and you know, all of these things. But I always had this um, reservation that I could always use like a gentleman. I yeah. could drink in moderation and stuff like that so i was at simon house for six months working really hard you know Mm -hmm. the whole god word like i understood there was something out there looking after me Mm -hmm. like i from reflection on my past i knew there was something out there looking after me but i wasn't allowing myself to become a part of that Mm -hmm. the spiritual aspect of the 12-step program and uh, just after six months i went through the first five steps Job search. I started working, and one day I was just gone. I was like, "I'm done," because I got in my mind that I'm not making enough money to pay my way for Simon House. Mm-hmm. I'm not making enough money. I'm not working enough hours, and I'm getting in. I'm getting in this funk, and that stinking thinking starts happening. Yeah. So, so one day I just up up and left, and. I'll tell you, the most interesting thing that's happened was the second I used, like I, I started off with one hit of a joint.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The second I used, I felt all that hard work just wash away.
0: Yeah.
1: And that, it wasn't the 10 years of my addiction. It wasn't the six months of recovery. It was that that, that single moment knowing how powerless I am yeah. over a single substance. Mm-hmm. And through that, instantly, instantly brought me back to my drug of choice, which was crystal meth. Yeah. And then through that was like straight through rock bottom again. And I went through this this huge funk. Like I, all the guilt, shame, remorse, mm-hmm. fear, anxiety, all of that came back instantly. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't handle it, man. You know, all the times, like... All the times I should have died, all the times I should have overdosed, and all the mm-hmm. times I should have, you know, been dead, and I'm I'm still here. Yeah. You know, that showed me that I'm I'm here for a reason.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've always searched for why am I here? That purpose, that single purpose of why Casey Blackwater is on this earth. Yeah. And that's when I knew I'm here to get sober. I'm here to live a good life. I'm here to love myself enough to not want to go down this road again. Mm-hmm. So call back Simon House in like two weeks, and I, they tell me if I can make it to Renfrew by seven in the morning, they'll save me a bed.
2: Mm.
1: So I turned to my mom, and I was at my mom's place at the time and I, when I'm doing all this, and I told her, I need to go back to Simon House. First words that come out of her mouth were, I think that's the most honorable thing I think I've ever heard you say. Mm. And then back I am in Renfrew for a week, back yeah. at Simon House. But this time it was real because I fully surrendered. Yeah. Like, I don't recommend relapse, yeah. but my relapse has shown me, like, flat out, I'm powerless. I'm straight up powerless. I have I have one hit, a, one hit of a joint, one drink, anything. I might as well, you know, I'm back out. That's it. Yeah. You know, I am completely powerless. And it's not, for me now, it's not just an accepting, accepting of the fact or... Or an omission that, you know, okay, I am powerless. And like I wrote out my step one, okay, this is the progression. It's a feeling now. Yeah. The feeling of the pain, the hurt, the anguish that I brought onto myself and others. That there's that pain. Mm-hmm. Just, just that little memory of what life could be if I so choose to go back out.
0: Yeah.
1: And I hold on to that. Up to this day, I hold on to that. I don't dwell on it or anything, but it's, it's there. It's a part of me. It is now a part of my soul that that is my step one reminder,
2: yeah
1: that there it is, and that's that right there was a godsend because through that i I healed so much the second time through yeah. I gave everything to Simon house to the uh, the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I worked so hard every day, go to meetings, ask for guidance, you know learning how i could how I could grow, how I could work through these steps, uh, utilize the the words of the rooms, the, the wisdom of the book, and just, you know, my peer. Mm-hmm. You know, my buddy here, Daniel, he's, uh, he's been with me since the beginning, yeah. you know? Cool. I met him in early recovery, and uh, we, we became best friends.
0: Right and on, it's good to have good friends.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's awesome, man. We live together, and it's just, life is amazing now. Right on. But in order for me in order for me to do that, I needed to do the work. Yeah. I, I needed to have faith and not just in God but in myself as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm going through the steps and I'm going through all of this again. A part of me at the in the early days were like, oh man, I gotta do this again. So I had yeah. to do the the twelve week group process twice in one year. Yeah. And that, that was a little daunting at first, but all those feelings went away, ease, like really fast. Once I got right back into it, yeah. and I just, I worked hard, man. I worked so hard right the not. second time because I was like, I'm not doing this to myself again. I don't want to be one of those, I don't want to be someone who keeps like a revolving door in and out and in and out, yeah. relapsing, coming back, relapsing, coming back. I didn't want to be one of those people. I wanted my life back. Yeah. You know? So I'm going through these steps, I'm learning about this higher power, this God of my own understanding. And the coolest thing was, as we understood him in step three,
2: mm-hmm. I
1: was all like, I can cultivate and mold this, this power greater than myself to work for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I started really going on that and like building a conscious contact and a relationship with my God. Yeah. And then going through my four and five, where i making that moral inventory and then sharing it with someone else, myself mm-hmm. and God, you know, really opened my eyes. You know, really solidified the fact that I've had these alcoholic tendencies when I was young. Those were my defense mechanisms.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But now i got to learn how to have healthy mechanisms in order to live life to its fullest. So... Afterwards, like I'm starting to get my life back, and I'm starting to feel happy again and mm-hmm. genuine, and I'm starting to pull off these masks and actually mm. show people who I really am. And uh, the result was amazing. I thought people would like, like alienate me or, you know, yeah. just like run away. Finds out like I can, like I can make friends easily now. Mm. Like I just be myself. Yeah. And that's pretty cool, man. Makes everything easier. Right. Yeah. So. I get a job. I go, I go back to work where I was working when I first went through Simon House. Mm-hmm. They, they welcomed me back with open arms and I made amends to them and I told them, you know, this is for real this time. Mm-hmm. Like this was a life changing moment of my life. And I went from there to work at co-op. And I, I worked at co-op as a, as a gas jockey, mm-hmm. a cashier and a supervisor. Um, for two and a half years, moving up the ranks. And uh, that, that really got me out of it myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, being a j- gas jockey, asking people, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, what can I get for you? You know, would you like an extreme car wash?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, stuff like that. And I started learning that, like, I want people leaving this place feeling better
2: mm-hmm. than when they came in. Yeah.
1: So every day, that was my goal to help people have a great day. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, management, management, we're always like getting compliments from customers about me and all this and that. And I'm just like, okay, now that right there is starting to feed my ego. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So I'm like, accept, accept that it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it and let it go. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, another healthy mechanism I use nowadays is I don't hold on to compliments for years and years and years, Mm -hmm. you know, and. All these things are just so freeing now. Yeah, it's very cool. So I'm I'm still I'm still living at the Simon House. I'm, yeah. I'm going through their um, transitional program, uh, the after after treatment. Um, okay. They got phase one, which is active treatment. Phase two, uh, which is on-site um, transitional, and then off-site transitional, which is phase three. And so I'm living in phase two. I'm working. I start working on my amends, working on the list, really, really giving myself to this program. Yeah. And one of the one of my amends was financial amends. So I'm, I'm phoning and I'm looking and I'm trying to get a a, a guesstimation of how much money I owed to the government and collections. And I found out I owed like fifteen thousand yeah. dollars. And to me, someone who was working on minimum wage, I was like, that's a lot of money.
0: It's a lot of money anyway, but yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so so I'm talking. I'm talking to my higher power, and I'm just like, okay, can you please help me with this? Like, what 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 am I to do? What? Please show me some guidance that I may work through this and come out of it a stronger person. <clears throat> and then then the answer dawned on me. Like, I did my taxes. I didn't do my taxes for four years. Finally, do them, and I get like seven thousand dollars back. And I'm like, okay. So I put six thousand dollars on my debt. I took thousand dollars because I wanted to buy a new guitar,
2: yeah.
1: and so I bought a new guitar with a new amp. And so from there, I just kept chipping away at my debt, every paycheck, just chipping away at my debt, paying my uh, program fees to the house, and mm-hmm. you know, just maintaining things. You know, kind of living life as a as as a normal human being.
0: Yeah.
1: So over time, you know, I get these. Um, I'll pay off another debt and I'll pay off another debt. And then I'll get like a vacation pay of like Mm -hmm. $1,000, boom, on another debt. So my my biggest goal was to try to see if I can get this down Mm -hmm. as fast as I can. And it took two years, but I finally got that, finally, uh, according to the government, according to the CRA, I am debt free. Nice. Yeah, I I applied for a credit card uh, about a year ago, and I used it responsibly. And then just a couple months ago, they told me, okay, so we're going to send you a new card. You're on an unsecured card now. Yeah. Uh, you, your credit's looking good. And I look at my credit score. I'm like, I don't believe this. Like, a part of me just doesn't want, like, cannot believe the fact that, like, I'm out of debt. Mm-hmm. I, I have a good job, that I, I have good credit. Yeah. Like, these, like, these direct result of doing the work, of totally having right. faith. Yeah. And, like, I'm, I'm like, I was stunned Mm -hmm. I I was shocked I was like like how does this how does this work like like how did this happen yeah and the sponsors like you do the work the work shows that's for sure yeah so I'm about two years sober you know when you know when they say okay in the program they say don't date within your first year yep And some people <laughs> say that yeah right some people <laughs> right i waited two and a half years two and a half years yeah so what happened was okay mm-hmm. i moved out of phase 3 with um, my best friend over here and a couple other people and um we uh we lived in this uh four bedroom duplex for about 10 months and afterwards i decided i want to go try to see if i can live on my own independently mm-hmm. just learn like i'm i'm constantly wanting to learn now mhm so I do that. I find a, I find a cheap place, and I'm living just in Sanolta, just by the Scarborough Church. So I'm living there. I'm, I'm going to meetings. I'm working, and I'm learning how to live by myself. But then um, I was lonely. I was lo- I was really lonely, hmm. and before before I could would even think about going on a dating site or trying to find someone yeah. it was i asked god, i asked my god i was like just give me something to love next thing these two cats pop in my life nice yeah my buddy's like hey man do you uh do you know anybody who would be able to take care of these cats i'm having a kid and we can't have the cats and i was just like dude you're talking to the right person yeah so then he asked me he's like well what do you what, what are you going to name them and i was like salmonella <laughs> And he's like, can you, can, can, you, can you find something better? And I was like, I don't want to.
0: <laughs> there is nothing better. Right? Salmonella, that's a great, those are great names.
1: So mm-hmm. their full names are Samuel and Elizabeth. But gotcha. I, but I call them Salmonella. Salmonella is way better. <laughs> so, so I get these cats, and when I first got them, they, they, they did not like the fact that they moved. Mm. Like new house, new owner, all of this. Ella is a very selective cat, mm. and she's she looks like she's perpetually angry all the time, <laughs> but that's just how she is. Yeah. Until I piss her off, I try not to, but sometimes I can't help it. I play too hard sometimes.
0: Anyways, cats so, are temperamental little pricks, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we love them.
1: Yeah. So I'm learning how to deal. I'm learning how to deal with these cats and learn how to love them, and uh, over time. I think it was Christmas Day that Ella started warming up to me.
2: Mm.
1: Sam was always like, "You feed me, you pet me, you leave me on the ground, I will love you." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Yeah. But Ella, she was always uh, she was always like super, super pissed. Until mm. one day, she just like Christmas Day. It was like a Christmas present. It was yeah. so cool. She jumps on my lap and then she's like purring and all this. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness!"
0: That's crazy. Yeah. yeah so. That's a good feeling.
1: I really learned to love these cats. Mm -hmm. So I I get into this relationship. So finally, I was like, you know what? It's two and a half years. Uh, You know, I got a good job. You know, I'm working on all these things. And I was like, well, maybe I'll try to work on a relationship. You know, date casually. Yeah. So I find someone. I start dating. But this certain individual was let's just say it got too serious too quick Mm. and that kind of scared me off fair enough and you know through the whole breakup thing like I try to I try to be God conscious like Mm. I try to try to do things you know have people's feelings in mind and looking at the bigger picture and playing the tape through I take all of these factors into account when I'm making decisions now Mm -hmm. like for is this best for all parties not Mm -hmm. just myself and i you know, with the power of prayer, meditating, I realized that I'm better off right now, single, working on my future.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I spent 10 years out of my life from when I was 15 till I was 25. I sobered up when I was 25 years old, mm-hmm. uh, both times, twice in the same year. And this time around, I, I, I was like, okay, I need... I need I need to stay focused I, I want to build a future for myself mm-hmm. you know I went through college four times and I failed yeah you know I I don't want to do that ever, again mm-hmm. but I needed to find something that I was passionate about and I've always been passionate about recovery helping people mm-hmm. and being there and seeing people grow and it's just there's it's such a beauty about it
2: mm-hmm.
1: that you meet these people when, when they first come in and then they get the light back in their eyes and then and you see them and again and it's just, it's the coolest thing ever.
0: Absolutely amazing.
1: It's that right there shows me that there is a God. Mm. That God exists. So, I learned these things and when I put my mind to something, I will do it. Mm. If I have my heart and soul put into something, I get it done. And that's, that's something I never knew about myself until I started living sober and mm-hmm. doing things, making decisions while I'm sober. So I'm making amends to family. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to give back to family. And it took two and a half years for my grandma. My grandma always saw through all my BS. hmm my grandma was. Uh, she was actually one of the co-founders of the original Sunrise Treatment. Oh wow! Way back in the day.
0: Very cool. Yeah, man. she
1: was. Uh, she was a prison guard. She did a lot of things uh, in um, mental health and all those mm-hmm. other things. What so, was your grandma's name? Uh, em- Emerald. Uh, she went. She went by a different name back mm-hmm. then. Uh, I, I don't think I'm at liberty to the liberty to discuss that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. But, that's cool, um, man. I you know my mom told me these things, and then I had some talks with my grandma. But she, she always saw through all of my BS, mm-hmm. all of it. So whenever I was in my, in my using days and you know, my active addiction, she always kept me at bay. Mm-hmm. And there is a perfectly good reason for that. You know, I see that now. I was a, I was a poop disturber. Mm-hmm. You know, took two and a half years, and then she finally told me one day that she loves me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was Huge. No doubt. And I talked to my mom after, and she's all like, it took some time, but she's really, you know, she's opening up to you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever, you know. Yeah. And just all these little blessings in my life now. i got way too many blessings. I can't count them. Yeah. Someone ever tells me, count your blessings? I can't. Yeah. I can't. It's, it's,
0: that's a pretty good problem to have.
1: Yeah, yeah. right? First world problems. wow that's
0: just good problems to have
1: yeah that's true yeah (laughs) so let's see I was a couple years in you know was in a relationship broke up focus on my future I went from co-op to um to a break shop my buddy was like hey man um, we're looking for people maybe come try this out so I'm like okay cool so I go work at uh, at this brake shop for in- industrial uh, industrial stuff like uh, semi trucks and trailers and mm-hmm. stuff Yeah. so I'm working there for six months and it was all uh, it was awesome it was fun it was uh, informative I learned stuff but so like I said I, I work really hard mm-hmm. and even there I worked like I worked so hard like 10 hour days I was like okay let's do this yeah. you know and I always try to have fun when I'm working I was, you know have a good attitude and so before like they wanted to give me an apprenticeship to be a heavy duty mechanic yeah. and my thoughts were okay that's cool but what does Casey want to do
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was like what do I see myself being happy going through this and I'm looking around and there's some gentlemen there who are uh, older and uh, they look like they're not really having the best time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I'm like, this is not what I want to do in life. This was fun. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. But in the end, this is not what I want to do. So I went back to co-op and I, I kind of went um, soul searching. Like, what does Casey really want to do? Mm -hmm. And then it dawned on me like I want to help people like in addictions and just I want to be a part of people's lives be a part of the solution so I told myself I'm going back to school Mm -hmm. so I enrolled in uh, I enrolled in the addiction studies program at Bow Valley okay the Aboriginal focus yeah and uh, that starts in September I gotta do a little more research because of the whole uh, pandemic that's happening. Mm -hmm. Like if it's gonna be online or not, if I'm gonna wait a year, I don't know. So I'm still talking to God on that one to kind of get some uh, clarity. Mm -hmm. But I'm enrolled in school. Um, I got a job at Simon House.
0: It's pretty awesome, man. And it's,
1: that was, it doesn't even feel like work. Mm -hmm. Like I work hard, I do what I do. You know, I try, I try to be a part of the solution and help the company grow because mm-hmm. Simon House has helped me get my life back. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's the least I can do to give back. You know, I see, I see, like, I see guys come in. I see guys get, their, uh, get that shine back in their eyes and then they work mm-hmm. hard. And, you know, just to be there and to be a helpful aid in their recovery,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that right there is the coolest thing in the world for that- me no doubt, man. It's very cool. Every day, every day I come to work and it's just like, I'm home. Mm -hmm. Simon House is my home. Yeah. And so like, I'm going back to school. I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build towards a future. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'm going to be four years sober in July. Oh, congrats, man. And, um, it's, you know, the way I see it now is, you know, getting another year is a direct result of doing the work. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. You know, just... Uh, yeah, it is. Like, all these all these things happened because I did the work, because I had faith. I reached out, and I, I did not give up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Nothing today. Not a pandemic, not social isolation, none of this. I'm not going to say I'm never going to go back out.
2: Yeah.
1: It's probably wise. But all this stuff like when it first happened i went sideways mm-hmm. myself but i got sick i got the flu, uh, a cold or a flu i called 811 and they're like well you don't have covid i was like okay that's cool so i had to stay home for 10 days
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i utilized that time to just get closer to my creator yeah and i came out uh, a stronger person i came out with peace of mind and like Nothing happens in God's world by mistake. And it says it in the big book. Mm-hmm. And to me that's truth. Yeah. You know, uh, For me, if there's a God or if there's not a God, I'd rather, I'd rather go through life now believing there's a God, even if there's not a God, mm-hmm. just because the power of God in my, in my life mm-hmm. is huge.
0: Life-changing, dude. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So I'd rather do this. I'd rather stay a part of the solution rather than the problem. Yeah. And it's just, life's good now, man. Cool. I mean, I mean, it's a little daunting. I'm going to be 30 this year.
0: Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, you're still a young puppy. I know, right?
1: <laughs> I don't know, I find it funny. People are like, hey, are you like 20? I'm like, no, dude, I'm 29, dog. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? We've got guys at the house. we get got new guys, and they're like, yeah. How sober are You? I'm like, well, technically it's one day at a time, but mm. I, I tell them I'll have four years, and they're like, what? And I'm like, Just have faith, man. Mm-hmm. Do some work, you know. And don't pick up. Exactly. Yeah, that's huge.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, brother. Well, I mean, you're a weird dude, so I, I can start seeing why you're weird, I guess. Yeah. I like weird though, so that's not a criticism. That's a compliment. Nice. Yeah, my favorite people are weird, so. Um, and I recognize having said that, that I too am weird. That's yeah. also a part of the problem, I guess. Hey, you just keep it to yourself over there as he's nodding away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so dude, I, I, really thank you for, thank you for coming tonight. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, dude? Um, so let's, I, sometimes I ask this, sometimes I forget to ask it, but if there was something, somebody out there maybe that you were speaking to, what would
1: you tell them? Reach out, you yeah. When that phone is ten thousand pounds, reach out no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, don't give up. Like, don't ever give up. You know, if we fall down, don't give up. I fell down, mm-hmm. I didn't give up. You know, I turned pain into power. You know, so I can I can help people.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's just the biggest thing was. I have trust and faith in myself now. Mm-hmm. But that all stand, stemmed from not giving up. Yeah. And always looking for this, like, the solution, mm-hmm. trying to be solution based.
0: Right on. Well, what happens when we don't give up is we become resilient, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that, and human beings are, God, we're resilient, yep. right? We just keep fucking bouncing back oh yeah right we're like we're mm, not ready to go yet yeah so, and that's, that's good because we need that right especially in recovery you've got to have the attitude that you're just not ready yet yeah. right because um, <clears throat> the, the drug the booze whatever it is it could easily just end it right so um, good for you man it's good to know you dude how, what is it like right now at um, uh, Simon House I don't know why it took me a second to remember that <laughs> with the pandemic and everything how is it affecting you
1: guys um, with some things it's like uh, kind of not really halted but it's slowed mm-hmm. down yeah Um, but the place as a whole we're because
0: you're still taking guys con- right
1: it's constantly adapting
0: yeah
1: yeah but it's all for it's all for the greater good mm-hmm. Uh, it's just adapting man
0: yeah and you're still taking in new guys, right? Um, During this time,
1: there is there 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 is a procedure that's yeah. uh, put in place that I I just uh, I, I do I do uh, I do what I can. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been seeing new faces, and uh, it's just uh, it's fun. It's nice.
0: I'm grateful you guys are there taking new people, man. It's good. Because otherwise lots of people will be dying right? yeah yeah lots more people i guess
1: yeah it's like uh no, i pray for i pray for these people this mm. is this is this is not this is not a fun time
0: no very no. very fucking difficult no
1: that's why like i try to do my part mm. uh if i go to a grocery store you know like if you ask daniel like i'm always happy like 99% of the time i'm like happy but that's genuine yeah and I go to the grocery store and I'm like busting it with a smile. I'm just like dancing to the music, you know, just mm-hmm. doing me, you know, because I'm weird, I'm crazy, you know, I'm always going to be this. Yeah. And that's just, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always going to be who I am. Mm-hmm. People call me weird, people call me crazy. Whatever. They're
0: compliments anyway, right? Yeah, man. The way they mean them is compliments.
1: Yeah. So, like, in uncertain times like this, you know, just, just, just trying to be the change I want to see in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Helps a lot. Yeah. Like if I can help one person change their thoughts and actions over to a to a, a happier moment, mm-hmm. then my job's done. Yeah. Like you know, just try to help. Try to try to be of service.
0: Fucking amen. Those are pretty good words to end on, right there. What time are we at? Fifty minutes. Fifty. Nice, dude. Nice. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Um thanks for the final thoughts there that was I appreciate those yeah Oh, um, final
1: um, so uh, I think cool. you
0: already gave me some too just in case you were trying to think of new ones yeah, <laughs> you gave I, final thoughts and then I started talking again because that's what I fucking do
1: eh, it's cool <laughs> um, I don't know man just uh, for me it's just always, 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 always looking to grow always mm-hmm. looking to always looking to expand on who I am Mm-hmm. you know I had uh, a couple weeks ago I had uh, something happen at work where um, it drove me a little sideways but oh after my days off I realized that maybe this is something that I it's an area of growth mm-hmm. of uh, certain behaviors uh, how to deal with behaviors and uh, certain um, personalities yeah so my my supervisor at work is is am- is amazing. This this lady is amazing. Like the management at work is like phenomenal. Like cool. I, I've never worked at a place where the management and uh, our teammates and everyone is just like we're like a, like a family. Mm-hmm. Like we're 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 always there for each other. That's awesome. And it's just like I get all these courses, these online courses yeah. through work, and it sometimes it's like sometimes it's like I can't believe that like I'm getting paid through training Mm -hmm. and it like that's the way I see it is I'm getting paid through training through through, through learning experiences and I've had experiences where uh, something happens and I just read about it like not even a week ago Mm -hmm. so like I'm better apt to deal with this and it's the coolest thing
0: isn't it cool man once you open your mind to stuff shit starts happening and you're like holy crap Yeah. Like there is like synchronicity. There is this stuff out there, hey? Yeah. Like the unseen world just kind of working together. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot for coming on, Casey. Yeah, man. And uh, one of the things that stands out to me is that I'm glad I was right about you. You're just one of those dudes, man. Like I could could picture you being happy 99% of the time, right? Like even though I didn't know you very well, like I'm still just getting to know you, but easily as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I see. Right. Every time I've heard you talk, every time I see a post, I'm just like, "Yeah, this is a guy who is literally making uh, making life good, right? Trying to make life good for himself and for others, and that by being positive and like joking around a lot and and just being like light, I guess." Yeah. Right. Because we like we were talking about it before you guys got here. Like, sometimes we just take ourselves too fucking seriously. Right. Was that you? That was you and me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and there's just no need for it, no. right? Like, there's, we're, all, we're all going to the same place, man. Yeah. Like we're, we're all going to the same place when it's all said and done. So might as well do our best while we're here. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's awesome. I love seeing that. I appreciate that about you. Thanks. Yeah, man. And thanks for what you do at Simon House. We need that shit going on right now. Or, Well, as you very well know, if we didn't have those places, lots more people would be dead. Oh, yeah. Right? So thank you for what you do. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, man, you're welcome. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.